Welcome to Fireside Nets, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. This is episode 156. I'm your host, Ben Harris. He's my co-host, Pete. And now that Summer League has begun, I feel like we've entered a different portion of the NBA offseason. Right, Pete? It's, it's, you know, it starts out with everyone praises the champion for about two, three days. And then after that, it's straight to the offseason. And we saw trades happening during the finals, which was insane. I don't think we've ever seen that before. Maybe we have. But we, we, we had that period where we honored the Nuggets. Everything was great. Then we immediately moved on to the offseason, the big trades, the Bradley Beal move, uh, the Dame Lillard trade request and then now we're in this part of the summer where where the summer league games have began began in las vegas in san antonio i think it was um was it san antonio or utah i cannot remember that other that other location i, I always i forget man i forget i know vegas well, is I, the big one vegas is the big one but uh yeah we're, we've reached that portion of the offseason so we can start with the summer league action the Nets have played two games. Their first game was a 101-97 loss to the Cavs. The second game was a 98-90 win against the New York Knickerbockers. Now, I know you were in AC this weekend with your girlfriend, hanging out, gambling, swimming in the pool at Harris. Even if it wasn't open, you were probably still swimming in it. But you didn't get a chance to watch the games. And guess what? It was my wife's birthday weekend, so every night was a different experience. And I didn't get a chance to watch the summer league games. It happens. It's a busy summer. You know, we, we can only tell our wives and girlfriends, hey, we need to watch the Nets however many games in the regular season. But we can't say in the summer, hey, the summer league team's playing. I can't take you out for your birthday or I can't go to Atlantic City. So I want to just start by telling the audience, I'm sorry. Me and Pete didn't get a chance to watch these two games, but we're going to make an effort to watch the rest of the summer league games uh, for the Brooklyn Nets. Absolutely. We can still talk about uh, the performances of our draft picks. We can still talk about the things that we did see. I was able to catch a little bit of the game, obviously not live, like you said. I was celebrating my anniversary with my girlfriend at Harris. Shout out to her. Always got to give her a shout out. She's the best. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think very, very interesting setup. Jalen Wilson, I would say, is the star draft pick so far. Like, he really played really, really well. I don't know if it surprised some people. It definitely surprised me. I thought he was going to be good. Remember, he is a little older than some of the guys playing in Summer League. But still, let, let, let's check a look at the numbers. Against Cleveland, he had 25 minutes, 17 points, 6 of 14 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3, 5 rebounds, 2 blocks. Against the Knicks, 27 minutes, 18 points. He went 5 of 10 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3, 8 rebounds, and a very impressive plus 32. I'll tell you this about Jalen Wilson. So when I looked at the three draft picks, I thought Clowney and Derek Whitehead are going to be projects. We're going to have to wait to see what they are. I thought that we got a pretty good glimpse of what Jalen Wilson could do in college. He was dominant at Kansas. 
could score the basketball. So the second the summer league started and I'm looking at the box score and I'm seeing, you know, on Nets Twitter, Jalen Wilson bucket aggressively going to the hole, getting the N one hitting the jumpers. Um, this is kind of something that I, I foresaw and I talked about during my stream on Bleacher Report a few times. But this this guy out of the three picks, I know he was a second round guy. I think he was 51st overall. He is the most NBA ready out of the three. You, you know, we, we look at experience in college or, or age when these guys come out and they're not 18 or 19 and they're, they're 22, 23. We look at that as a weakness. It, it's kind of silly because at the end of the day, the more you play in college, the more equipped you are your rookie season for the NBA. And you saw that with Jalen Wilson. He was ready for summer league action. And I don't think Noah Clowney, a younger player, one of our one of our youngest draft picks ever, I don't think he was as ready to play as Jalen Wilson. So I wasn't surprised by the production of, of Jalen Wilson in summer league. He's a natural born scorer. You can see it at Kansas. Um, and it kind of made sense because you saw Noah Clowney. There, there's definitely some rawness there. He is not as NBA ready, I think, as Jalen Wilson. No, uh, against Cleveland, he put up four points, one of nine from the field, one of seven from three. Did get seven rebounds, though. Against the Knicks, 25 minutes, eight points, two of six from the field, one of two from three, seven rebounds, and I think he got two blocks. It's very good to see the rebounding for sure. In the first game against Cleveland, he only picked up two fouls, which I, I, it's kind of, I know, people are going to shit on me. I think it's impressive. In summer league, we see all these guys kind of getting fouled out, right? You know, these crazy foul numbers. And for his first game to pick up only two fouls, I thought it was impressive. Obviously, we knew he was going to be a project. And, uh, you know, starting two of nine from three, your first two summer league games isn't great. And, you know, what what, what are you going to do? Look at Trey Young. His first four summer league games, he averaged 12 points, 23% from the field, 13% from three. You know, it happens. This guy's not going to be Trey Young, different position, obviously, different ceiling. But you got to give the guy a little bit of a break. People were freaking out a little bit too much. Pete, I love Nets Twitter. And I say that because I think, did, can you just look at the stats for me real quick? Noah Clowney yeah. hit 1-3 in both games, like, like in total. So he hit one in the first and one in the second. Correct. Okay, so there's a highlight of his three against the Knicks. And it's a simple uh, – I, I can't see the player, but someone hands the ball off to him, and he squares and shoots in one motion. And it was pretty clean looking. I've never seen one dribble handoff into a three-point shot broken down and analyzed so much. Nets Twitter – you know, and I, sh I shout out Brooklyn Netcast. I, I get a kick of their account sometimes. They write, Noah Clowney has really solid mechanics with his three ball and has the confidence to shoot it. Really hope it develops him and Claxton down the line next to each other would be fun. And it's one play where he hits a three-pointer. I don't know. Like, I know this guy could, could, could shoot the ball a little bit in college. He wasn't necessarily a bad three-point shooter. He was, uh, I think, in the mid-30s, right? Or around low that 30s, 30s, 37. Like oh, low 30s. Okay. My, so. my point being, it's just crazy how we take one play from one summer league moment and we break it down as if this guy is going to be that guy every time. Um, I did see he tried to yam it on someone. He failed. Athletically, he's a, he's a freak. He's got that Claxton kind of lankiness to him. And the fact that he can shoot is a huge plus. But I, I just don't know how much playing time he's going to see right away. I, I don't know if he's NBA ready based on, based on the two summer league games. But we'll see.
Definitely. And uh, he shot 28% from three his last year in Alabama. Ugh. Yeah, not, not, not great, but we knew it was a project, right? Like, you know, well, what, what do people expect? You know, we do have guys like David Duke Jr. I know you were talking to me about Armani Brooks. Uh, David Duke Jr., I thought it was interesting. He got a qualifying offer, which he did not have, I, I believe, a couple weeks ago. It looked like he might be off the nets. And uh, he had a, a couple good solid performances. He's a vet, right? So we kind of expect that. He put up 17 against the Cavs, 5 of 6 shooting, uh, 4 assists, 19 points against the Knicks. Very important. 2 of 5 from 3. If he could knock down that 3, man, he's going to have a spot on this roster for sure. I think everyone likes David Duke Jr., but they kind of know we need him to develop that shot from the stick on the roster, right? Yeah, I, I mean, you look at our roster right now, Pete, we're, we're not the deepest roster in the world. We're, we're pretty limited in terms of our bench now. Obviously, Marks is going to make a few more moves, but David Duke Jr. is a guy that if he's on a two-way, he can absolutely see some time this season. And I think that Nets fans would be really upset if we saw David Duke Jr. performing for another team in the NBA. Because this is oh, a guy yeah. that we drafted pro- out of Providence. Um, he, he's got that energy hustle high motor component that you love to see in a young player. I think his problem is, is just, he's not the, the best offensive player in the world. He's limited off the dribble, not a great jump shooter. Uh, so these are things that, you know, you look to see if he's improved on in, in summer league. And obviously, like you said, he's a vet. He's a little bit more, more confident in his game this season, but uh, I would love to see David Duke jr. DDJ get some, get some run for the nets uh, at some point this season. I think that's fair. Uh, right now, I think the Nets might be full on two ways. But uh, right now, he is a restricted free agent since he did get the qualifying offer. Got it. We, okay. Yeah, we will be able to match anything if a team wants to pick him up. Although I can't imagine a team throwing a huge deal at him right now, right? So we'll see. He's definitely a good bench piece, good depth piece for this team. That needs help, like you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, the, the guy that I saw hit a bunch of threes was a guy named Armani Brooks. Don't know a lot about him. Just know that the Nets are pretty limited when it comes to their three-point shooters. So if this guy can hit the three, I don't know. Uh, He scored an efficient 21 points against the Knicks, I believe. And this is something that maybe the Nets can use him. He was 8 of 13 from three so far. I think in the two two, uh, summer league games, he's a 6'3 guard. Out of Houston, he's been in the league for four seasons. 2019, he was drafted. So, I'm sorry, he was undrafted out of Houston, um, but he's been in the league since 2019. So, just just very interesting there. Uh, you know, we'll obviously, we'll, we'll catch the next summer league game, but there's a lot more to talk about, Pete. I want to get to uh, something, something I saw Sean Marks say. So, the name of this next segment is called, Can the Real Ben Simmons Please Stand Up? So Sean Marks was, was recently asked a question. I want to say it was by Eric Slater. Uh, and shout out to Eric Slater. He's a great beat reporter for Clutch Points app. He covers the Brooklyn Nets. He does a great job doing it. Um, Sean Marks believes Ben Simmons hasn't hit his prime yet. So here's the quote. I think the hope is that he returns to all-star level of play. I mean, if he was 35 years old, I wouldn't honestly be able to tell you that. But I think knowing that he's in his mid-20s and he is still hopefully has not reached his prime yet, we've got to make sure he can get back out there and get back to that form. And hopefully we see his game even evolve past that 
but health is going to be the key for him. Very interesting because the Nets, you know, you listen to Jacques Vaughn last season. Not a lot of people were super supportive of Ben, I think, in front of the media. Now, all of a sudden, you know, after a few weeks of this offseason, you have Sean Marks talking about where Ben can get to. And as you know, Pete, Ben Simmons' name has been in a lot of trade speculation. If the Nets were to make a move for Tyler Hero, be that third team in that Damian Lillard deal, Ben Simmons or Spencer Dinwiddie, one of those guys would most likely be on the move. So what did you make of, of Sean Marks sort of singing Ben Simmons' potential praise, if you want to call it that? Man, it's just really interesting. This whole offseason, we've seen Ben working out, seen him you know, getting jacked, the Photoshop incident. We've seen nothing but pretty much good press for Ben and kind of, I don't know if it's Nets fans giving him a second chance, but I think the media is kind of, you know, uh, eh, we'll see if this guy can do it next year. The Nets are definitely pushing a smokescreen right now in the fact that they're trying to make this guy look as great as possible. I think it would be nuts if Sean Marks did anything else, right? People were shitting on Sean Marks for saying, oh, you know, blah, 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 you know. He's not doing five on five yet, but he's looking great. What are you going to, you know, if, if in a different scenario, do you want him to say, man, this guy's fucking shit. This guy sucks. Like what, what else is Sean Marks going to say? His, it's, it's his job to get the most value out of his players. And maybe that one GM sees that clip. It's like, damn, man, I'll, maybe we'll, we'll take a chance on Ben. Let me see what the Nets might do. You never, you're right. Not realistic, but. That's that. That's that's my spiel on this. I like the thought process, and and honestly, I would just prefer honesty. So if Sean Marks comes out and says, "Hey, Eric, your guess is as good as mine," I'm okay with that answer. You're a wild person, Spen. I am. I am. Uh, you know, hit me. Hit me wow. with it. Give me the news straight. Don't don't sugarcoat it. Don't you know wrap a piece of shit in bacon and and tell me it's a jalapeno popper. Just give it to me straight. Um, and by the way, I'm not a fan of jalapeno poppers. I don't think they're very good. I don't like cream cheese. All right, Pete, let's get to some free agency talk. So it looks like the Nets are in a holding pattern. This Damian Lillard deal, according to Joe Cronin, the GM of the, the Blazers, could possibly not be done for months. So that is not great for the Nets, a team that is constantly associated with this deal, probably as that third team, uh, what is your take on the Nets sort of being in this frozen period of free agency? Uh, it's exhausting. No one wants to hear about Dame anymore. You know, I really even dislike bringing it up in the podcast because all these takes have been talked about. But since it's kind of new news, we have to talk about it, right? Uh, Shams talked about a deal that, you know, Tyler Hero might be moving, uh, you know, for a first, you know. Every deal that we see, the Nets are always involved, and the Nets will continue to be involved. And I saw, man, I wish I would have saved this, but I saw another reporter say that the Nets are, are either going to be the third piece or the team getting Dame. And I'm sorry, uh, I, I should I should have saved that. I fucked up. I apologize, guys. But um, but yeah, I'm tired of this shit. Let's go. But in reality, if Sean Marks was holding on to KD, he was not going to trade him in the sum last summer just for pennies on the dollar. He was going to wait till he absolutely had to move him or get the deal that he wanted. That happened with Phoenix, as we know. And that's it. Portland's not going to move him until they get their deal. And that's their job, right? 
Yeah, and something tells me the Nets are not getting Damian Lillard at this point. I, I don't think it makes sense. Sean no. Marks isn't going to trade half his team for this guy. It's going to totally fuck up the Nets' finances over the next few years. It just doesn't make sense. And I've come to the conclusion that they are not a Damian Lillard away from being a top three team in the East. I've wrestled this back and forth. They're, it's just, they're not. I, I still think the Celtics are probably better than them. I still think the Bucks are probably better than them. Um, and you can argue about the, the Cavs or the Sixers. Uh, and, and again, in that deal, if, you, if the Nets are the team that acquires Damian Lillard instead of the Heat, like they're going to give up everything. Like, it's going to be bad. So I don't know. I, I At this point, I've accepted that we'll probably be that third team. And look, I wouldn't be mad at uh, giving up a few firsts for Tyler Hero, potentially giving up Ben Simmons or Spencer Dinwiddie, whatever your preference is. I, I think if you have a, a starting five, of Hero, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Nick Claxton, and then insert Dinwiddie or Simmons. Obviously, both those guys do um, sort of what they're good at differently. Ben Simmons is more of a passing, rebounding, playmaking big man. Dinwiddie can playmake a little bit, but he's a little bit better of a scorer than Simmons. Uh, I think that's a pretty good starting five. I agree. I think you nailed it. All right. Some, some other news, Royce O'Neal, his $9.5 million option was picked up. Shout out to Royce. I, I, Pete, I honestly think he's been a consummate professional since he's been here. He had his role changed a little bit with the KD and Kyrie trades last season. He handled it like a man. He handled it like a professional. He's been nothing but good for this organization. Uh, I am a Royce O'Neal fan. What about you? Yeah, I just – I think the most impressive thing – was not the defense, not the three-point shooting, but really, let's face it, he was, what, maybe the third ball handler when it came down to the, the latter part of the season? Like, this guy's not a point guard. This guy shouldn't be handling the ball. But you know what? He's a dog. He did the job, and he wasn't that bad considering it was like an emergency, right? I'm happy for him. Congrats on getting his option picked up. And uh, in reality, the Nets were always going to do this unless they were going to trade him in part of a deal previous to this date. And, uh, yeah, he'll probably be with us until the deadline, depending on the, our record. And I'll be honest with you, the low points in Royce O'Neal's tenure up to this point have been when we've asked him to do too much. Like, that's when I've seen him struggle. I, in that Philly series, I, he, he was just asked to do a lot. Unfortunately, he went cold. I think that if you're a role player and you're used to just taking threes, and all of a sudden, you're asked to rebound, you're asked to defend, you're asked to facilitate, you're asked to bring the ball up. The one thing that you do really well is, is going to be affected a little bit. I think you saw that with Royce O'Neal. He was just asked to do too much when he was on the court. I think he was the point of that second unit. And uh, you saw it affect his jump shot a little bit. He did not shoot well from three in that postseason. Um, all right. So I want to get to a, a few other. Oh, you, you. sorry, Pete. Do you have a question for me? Yeah, I got a question for you. Uh, in reality, do you think it would have been good to put Royce at small forward or leave him at power forward like he did for a lot of the season before Dorian Finney-Smith joined the team? So I prefer Royce over Dorian Finney-Smith. I would have been okay having him as the stretch four instead of DFS. I don't really understand the difference in what DFS gives you over Royce. Yes, he's a little bit taller. Yes, he's, he's slightly better in terms of guarding big men, but I don't necessarily see the value add that Dorian Finney-Smith gives you when he's on the court over a Royce O'Neal. I think Royce is a better shooter. I think he's a harder worker. Um, I think he makes better decisions. 
Uh, maybe defensively he's not as good as DFS, but I, I wasn't a fan of of the way that we used Dorian Finney-Smith this year, and I wouldn't necessarily be upset uh, if we traded him away this offseason. Yeah, uh, I think you're completely wrong with that. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith is, I, I think, the superior player. He did not show it, though, so I will give you that. You're only going pretty much going after his net stats, his net tenure, right? And uh, if you just look at that film, obviously Royce was probably more important to the team, and you could say probably the better player. I get it. We'll see when the season starts. Uh, talking about free agency, I don't know if you saw this. Sean Morris kind of did two very interesting moves. The first one, uh, Jalen Wilson being signed to a two-way and not a regular contract. Keep this in mind, guys. A two-way contract does not go against the cap, does not get a luxury hit. So by keeping Jalen Wilson on a two-way contract until, I don't know, uh, we'll say it runs out, I'm making this up, in January, you could sign him to a deal for uh, eh, you could sign him to a deal for the rest of the year and would actually save the Nets money on tax and uh, and on the cap. So very interesting move. Pete, that's why I love you, because if you're not here, I never know that. I don't look that up. That's something that completely goes past me because because I'm an idiot. And uh, the, the fact that you, you, you called that out, that's huge. So Sean Marks is playing chess while all these other GMs, including Joe Cronin, are playing checkers. Shout out to Jalen Wilson. He's been putting on in summer league. He's got a nice two-way deal. Uh, he's got to earn his spot on this team. He was, he was the third guy we selected in this draft. So nothing's going to be giving, given to him. But thus far, I think he's, uh, he's shown that, that he definitely has some promise uh, in his future as a Brooklyn Net. Absolutely. <clears throat> I don't know if you saw this other thing. Originally, Cam Johnson's contract was, uh, I think it was listed at four years, $108 million. Nets fans were an uproar. That's too much. Well, you guys are going to be very, very fucking happy. Some details of the deal came out. It's actually going to be closer to a four-year, $90 million deal. All right, I, I got to explain this very, very carefully. The deal is for $108.2 million as reported, but there's incentives in this deal. The base salary is $90 million. There's uh, this thing in, in, uh, in NBA contracts called likely and unlikely incentives. A likely incentive is, a, let's say, a stat that Cam Johnson did last year. I'm making this up. He scored 20 points last year, so it's likely this year he's going to score 20 points. If he scores 20 points, he'll make that extra incentive, which is this year is 4.9, uh, I'm sorry, 4.7 million for, for the deal. There's a 13.5 unlikely incentive. And by the way, cut me off at any point if you want me to break it down a little bit more. I mean, it's a little difficult to, to go through this. 13.5 unlikely incentive. Unlikely incentives are money, uh, is money that doesn't count toward the cap, and it's based on a stat that was not reached last year. Example, Cam Johnson will hit, uh, I don't know, he'll shoot 50% from three. Last year, he did not shoot 50% from three, so it. it's unlikely. does not count towards the cap, but it still allows Cam Johnson to make more money. So by doing this, it's really a four-year, $94.7 million deal towards the cap. Right. 
So in another, I'm sorry if that was that was a lot, guys. So no, that was that was perfect. I, I think that was an excellent breakdown, Pete. And I'll say this: everyone was in an uproar because we thought that 108 was guaranteed. It turns out it's not guaranteed. It turns out that a good amount of this money Cam Johnson is going to have to earn. Correct? Yeah, uh, pretty much. It's going to be 13.5 million of that deal. So really, think about it this way, guys. It's four years, 94.7 mil. If he does hit the unlikely uh, incentive, if he does reach that, quote unquote, 50% from three that I made up, that will count towards the cap. But the thing is, he has to earn it for it to hit the cap. This way, then that's kind of save a little money on the luxury tax, save a little money off the cap. And like I said, it still allows CJ the opportunity to make more money. All right, there you have it. To all you Sean Marks. Oh, no, 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 no. Sean Marks is not done here. Sean oh. Marks is not done. This is what Sean okay. Marks did. The first year of the deal, he's going to make 25.7 mil. And then in years two and three, it's actually declining, which is very uh, interesting. Okay. Year two, 23.6. Year three, 21.6. But in year four, the last year of the deal, it's 23.6. So basically, he's dropping years two and three, decreasing in salary. And uh, the worst hit, worst cap hit is only the first year. Pretty good. Pretty good. So we're, we're, we're giving Sean Marks a good grade on this, right? We're giving him like an A minus? Yeah, absolutely. He uh, Very crafty. Very crafty maneuver by Sean Marks. All right, there you had it. I, I like that breakdown, Pete. I do. I thought that was helpful. Um, again, so. for, it was. It was. For all the Nets fans who, who thought that, you know, we were overpaying Cam Johnson, you got to look in the details of these deals. That, that's where these GMs tend to uh, – they tend to cook a little bit. All right, Pete, let's get to this midseason tournament. I, I saw Richard Jefferson tried to explain it to me over Twitter. And, and by the way, I'm sorry, I think it was TikTok. Richard Jefferson, you have an open invite to come on this pod whenever you want. Uh, Pete on Twitter sent you a mess or a comment. Uh, come on, whenever shoot, shoot us a message. We'd love to have you. You would be our, I think fourth or fifth former net on the show. Um, but besides that, I, I do want to get to this midseason tournament. Pete, could you please explain to me how this will work? All right. There's another thing that needs to be broken down very delicately. So I'm just going to go in the easiest terms. We have different groups. This is a midseason tournament, right? Groups were, were taken out from your conference, meaning the Nets could be playing, uh, I don't know, the Bulls in, in part of this tournament. Each team from each conference were put into different pools. Uh, it's going to be this, – this is a little bit of the tricky part, okay? There's going to be regular, regular season games starting November 3rd, okay? Okay. These games, until, until the tournament ends, will count for both the regular season – and the head-to-head in the pool, okay? Got it. So this is how, this is how it's going to work. The Nets, luckily, I, at least I think luckily, were put into East C, the East C pool, with the Celtics, Raptors, Bulls, and Magic. I'm going to give you guys an example of how the playoff works now. The leaders of the three pools automatically are in, and then the one team with the second best pool record out of all three will enter as a wild card. Okay. Let me explain how this works for, for the Nets, right? 
I'm going to use last year's numbers to kind of explain it for us. We're going to look at the Nets versus the Celtics, the Raptors, the Bulls, and the Magic. Last year, against those teams, they went 8-7. and seven. The Celtics, playing the Nets, Raptors, Bulls, and Magic, wound up going 10-6, and six, okay? They had, the, they had Celtics had the best record head-to-head of those teams. The Celtics would advance to the next round. The Nets would be out. It's a knockout round in the playoffs, and I think the only game – I'm not going to say I think, I know. The only games that will not count against the schedule are the finals. Those are the only games that will not count against the schedule. Which, which I find a little stupid. I, I, it's, it's, a little conf- it's a little confusing and very hectic, but I'm, I'm intrigued because I thought this was going to be bullshit. I was expecting something mid for a midseason tournament. But you know what? If the Nets fucking win, I'm buying the shirt. I'm going in. I'm buying the logos. I'm, I'm in. Let's go, midseason champs. Let's I'm go. all for it. I just, I just wish they counted the finals game as a regular season game. That, that makes zero sense to me. And the, uh, the semifinals and the finals are held in Vegas. I do like that. Let these guys go to Vegas. Vegas should have a basketball team. Um, all right, on, on a one to ten, ten being the most intrigued, one being I won't watch it. I'm probably a seven, seven or eight. Uh, give me as much basketball as possible. I mean, I'm upset that I'm not watching Summer League at this point, right? I, I, I've watched a few of Wembenyama's games, a few of Brandon Miller's games, a little bit of uh, of uh, Scoot Henderson before he got hurt. So I, I've been watching. I just haven't been able to catch the Nets. But if I'm going to sit here and watch Summer League, you best believe I'm going to watch a midseason tournament with actual NBA players. So I'm, I'm excited for this. I think that this will be fun. It'll be something different. Um, I think it'll attract someone who's not a huge NBA fan. But if you're at the water cooler in November and someone's like, hey, did you see that midseason tournament? Uh, you might turn it on. So, uh, you know, I, I give Silver credit for pulling this off. Um, do I wish that the Nets were a little bit better in this timeline? And, and you know, you, you t- Pete, you talked about them winning the midseason tournament and, and us being happy and then probably getting annihilated in the first round of the playoffs. That'll Absolutely. suck. But uh, it, it is what it is. We, we are where we are, and I, I can't be mad at um, at the Nets if they peak midseason. You nailed it. Uh, one last thing with the midseason tournament. The reason why they're doing this is to kind of give a little more competition, right? I had I, – man, I wish I think I wrote this down. Let me check. I had a team that did not make the playoffs last year. was a lottery team. I think like a top five or six team that totally sucked last year actually beat out several playoff teams in their pool if they would have you know, used the, the record from last year. So it kind of does give hope if your team's going to fucking suck. It kind of gives you just a little bit more to root for considering that you're going to pretty much be out of it day one, right? If you're a lottery team or a shit team. What, what's the prize overall if they win the whole thing? Is there a prize? Or is it just money? Is it financial? I, th- I think it's just money. I did not do my homework on that. Fuck you for right. asking that question. I said sorry for uh, for being diligent in my question. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. I mean, listen. We'll check it out. We'll obviously talk about it on the podcast uh, as long as the Nets are able to win a game or two. Um. Pete, was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap up? Uh, nothing much. You could check out my podcast, The Only Net Fans. You know, follow me at at net fans you know and uh thanks for listening i appreciate all you guys checking us out you guys are awesome. all right 
There you heard it from my main man, Pete. That does it for another episode of Fireside Next, brought to you by Empire Sports Media.